some kind of disturbance. I'm gonna go check it out. We request that everybody stays calm at the current moment. Who are you people? I want a coffee! You, you, you are now to 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 Where love and life come together. Come together. From the Spacebird Media Studios, it's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Always so wonderful to be with you. We get to laugh. We get to cry. We get to share the strange stuff that goes on in the world. And it's super fun. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good. Coming off Labor Day, it's kind of nice having a short work week. So that's always good to, you know, hopefully see a weekend that much quicker. I just need it to be cooler. I know I keep saying that, but... I'm becoming that toddler that's like, I want fall and I want it now. Like I can feel myself like, like I I bring my hoodies out and like smell them because they've been (laughs) missed for months. They're like, someday we'll meet again. Uh, But uh, yeah, it was great. Of course, uh, we're so glad to be back with you. Thanks to our friends at My Brother's Cup and Birmingham Mortgage Group. I feel like though, each week we start the show with the passing of another legend. Jimmy Buffett, this one hit hard. I started crying. I'm like, what? How could this happen? You know, he died of Merkel cell carcinoma, which is much more rare than melanoma. A terrible way to die. It starts with a tumor that doesn't even hurt, so you don't know until it starts spreading and spreads to organs. Just really awful. 76 years old, too young, you know, married, has kids, and was just everybody I've talked to. And I have friends who are the kind of friends that went to a bar and hung out with Jimmy Buffett, which Mm. is super fun. And they loved him. Totally what you would expect. Down to earth and fabulous. You wouldn't know that he's a billionaire and didn't ever act like it. And so it was shocking and so incredibly sad. Well, and you shared a, a, a story I had actually not even heard. I was like, how did I miss this story? But you have <laughs> your attachment to Buffett is more through your husband, Wayne. Tell that. Well, we were gifted tickets to a concert. And I'm like, sure, I would love to see Jimmy Buffett. I don't know what being a parrot head is all about, but let's go. I mean, we're mm-hmm. a couple who will dress up and go all out for these shows. And we had tickets way, way, we were way up in the back Mm. in Birmingham and got to see him. The concert blew my mind. It was so rich, so technically brilliant, and yet so laid back and fun. Everybody was having a ball. And there's a song that he does by Louis Armstrong, Stars Fell on Alabama, and Wayne knows it by heart and sang it to me, which normally would be obnoxious, but I mean, we were really far in the back. And it was so romantic, and it's one of my favorite moments of our relationship. And so I immediately, I wanted to have that repeated. We we had tickets to go see him again, and then COVID happened, and it got canceled. And so I just, I was weepy on and off all weekend over it. Yeah. Just a, a tremendous talent and such a fun songwriter. And then it turned into themed restaurants, casinos, hotels, and cruises, and his own clothing because that whole... Faded khakis, flip-flops, short sleeve shirts, all of his crazy, you know, Hawaiian pattern shirts. 
became the Key West style and what a lot of people wanted to wear. People want to be comfortable. And so all of that added on to incredible music that just makes people happy. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of cool. I was uh, a buddy of mine when I lived in Tally. He was in a or had formed a Jimmy Buffett tribute band and he needed a drummer. So that was the most that I remember spending time. Like I was aware of the big hits, but wouldn't call myself a parrot head either. But seeing what those songs did to a crowd, like it was its own worshipful experience. And they weren't worshiping Buffett. They were just in the vibe of, yeah, man, we're friends and this is cool and this <laughs> is good. But I'll tell you, my favorite moment, though, of Jimmy Buffett, I was um, as a student when I was in college, had the honor and privilege to be one of the extras for the Ty Cobb movie where they shot it in Birmingham, which is where we're located. And it's at the old, what legendary Rickwood field, which is where they're doing the field of dreams this year for the major league baseball, which is very exciting. It's very cool. Like just as, just like you've seen in all the movies, like 42 and Ty Cobb. And I mean, it still has that vibe of baseball from that era. So anyway, they were shooting the scene and Jimmy Buffett was cast as the heckler that was, he was not just a heckler, but he was also a handicap, which handicap, like you don't mess with a handicap person now, but you definitely, even though Ty Cobb had that anger and smugness about him, which made people hate him in baseball, Tommy Lee Jones played it brilliantly. And we were there the day he shot the scene where Ty Cobb in a famous story where he jumps the crowd after a heckler, was, you know, yelling all kinds of expletives and, you know, things at him. And Jimmy Buffett played that heckler. And so we were there the day that Tommy Lee Jones jumps the fence at Rickwood Field in Birmingham to beat up <laughs> Jimmy Buffett. And it was fantastic. And then Jimmy stayed for the night, brought his whole band and did a show at Rickwood for everyone who was an extra in the movie. So that experience made me love him for how much he loves his fans and vice versa. So I know it's going to be a, a huge loss. And, you know, even for those who are in the theater community, you know, they did a jukebox musical out of, you know, Jimmy Buffett's music. So Margaritaville, another, another level of people in music, finding out about him and, and his legacy will live on for sure. Too young. Yep. 76 years old and it's shocking even though he had canceled shows and there were rumors of illness he didn't share a lot about it and so it was really shocking for people let's dive in and talk about jesus for a moment how do we know if we're saved you know i believe that we give our lives to him out loud that we mm. say a prayer it tells us in romans that we say we're turning away from sin and we accept him as savior. I think we make that too complicated and then we get caught up in whether we're saved or not. So that wasn't very eloquently stated, but Dr. Adrian Rogers does. And he says there are several tests to make sure that you're saved. I find this fascinating. The Lordship test. What is that? You ask yourself, is Jesus the Lord of my life? Is he? Mm. And yeah. one way we can tell is, are we surrendered in all areas? Sometimes we're like, oh, it's cool, Jesus. You can have this, but I'm going to take care of this area. Yeah. And I think that's always the biggest one. It, it's the greatest indicator, but always the biggest one for us to overcome because we think, oh, well, I've given him my life, 
but he doesn't care about this part of me. I, I, I'll just, I'll deal with it in my own time. But really that's, and I know from my own experience, that's the one thing that's really holding you back from a true relationship. It doesn't change whether you're saved or not, but it also changes. It does change whether you are f- enjoying the peace of what comes from that saved relationship with the Lord. Then he says the fellowship test, do you love your brothers and sisters in Christ? And I think this is an area where we need a whole lot of work right now. There seems to be such vitriol and hatred and offense for other people that are God's children. Mm. You know, you don't want to sit here and say we need to sing Kumbaya and everybody needs to hold hands, but Ace, everybody needs to hold hands. I mean, it's getting... (laughs) We need the world to feel like a Jimmy Buffett concert is what I'm feeling, yeah. To just get along and know that God is love, 1 John 4, 7. And then he says the relationship test. You know, can you say at this very moment that you have a personal relationship with Jesus? I absolutely can, and I'm so happy about that because without him, Mm -hmm. I'm in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Well, and I think the great thing is, you know, all of those things, all those individual tests, it doesn't matter what religion that you choose to practice, as long as those things point you to that relationship with Christ, it points you to an understanding of who God is so that you can let go of the past and you can move beyond the things that oftentimes are the scars that we see because we know ourselves in our vulnerable spot. And so does God, but we hide them from other people, but we don't have to hide them from him. So a lot of times the the habits we've created with humans, we also take that into our relationship with God and it doesn't work out. And then Adrian Rogers says, if I would believe you, then you would save me with all my heart as much as is in me for now and forever. I trust that I am saved. You know, that's what I run into doing ministry in the streets a lot. There's a ton of confusion from people as to whether they're going to be in heaven and whether they're saved. Mm -hmm. And I I don't think we should complicate the gospel of Jesus. No. Well, I mean, we have. uh, It's the truth. But I I believe that in the same way that a lot of things, veils are lifted, it's, it's that moment when you realize, okay, I've been seeing God's word wrong because it was handed down to me from someone who either chose to still hold on to you know, racial lines or, you know, other lines of, you know, politics or sexuality or whatever. And you get to that place where you yourself realize you're wrong. And the only person you really have to apologize to is God, because he's the one that's helping to lift the veil so that when you get to heaven, you're not going, what? How did they get in? (laughs) Really? They're saying the same thing about you. How did you get in? So, you know, we we all have sinned and fall short of God's glory, but that's the beautiful thing. Have that relationship with him so that you can see the world the way he sees it and to love the world the way he loves it. Well, we will have our popcorn popped and all be in attendance ready for the Golden Bachelor. Oh, yes, the Golden Bachelor, 71-year-old Jerry Turner is looking for love, and we're going to watch every part of it. He has grown children. He's got grandchildren. And my daughter, Hannah, said, I cannot wait to watch the children chime in and the grandchildren on who he's dating. It's for some reason, she thinks it's going to be awesome. 
Well, I mean, and he looks awesome for 71. I want to look that dapper at 71, <laughs> you know, to, to have the gray and, you know, especially in a time and age where like people are like, oh, yeah, you can get soap and wash gray out and you, you look 20 years younger. No, I like the salt and pepper, you know, let's let's embrace that because it also is attached to all the wisdoms we've learned. So I am not a reality TV show guy. I'm sure my wife will be watching this one. I know you love The Bachelor. I I, I can't bring myself to it. But it, at least for the first time in a while, it's not a bunch of 20-somethings going, he loves me. You know, it's <laughs> it's people, you know, slightly older with a little bit more relationship wisdom behind them that maybe they can learn something for the next reality show. Well, America's fallen in love with this guy. They just love him. I mean, all during the Bachelorette finale, he was all the rage. He came on and all the bachelors or real young guys were standing up clapping. You know, he's a widower and was very mm. much in love yeah. and wants another chance at love. And so everybody's rooting for him. So we may have to have an update at some point on the Golden Bachelor. I think mm. it's going to be a lot of fun. So speaking of happy marriages, we go to a couple who met 84 years ago they met they've been married for 70 years what is their secret of a happy marriage remember how lucky you are that your partner chose you i have no problems with this one yep, i can hardly believe that my man chose me and i have such a high level of respect for him mm -hmm. it's almost to the point where how can i possibly be that good Right. That's who I'm married to, yeah. someone with just such character and integrity. It just, uh, I'm guilty of other things. That's not one of them. Yeah. Well, and it's great too, when you get to that place where you know you're in a relationship that's, that's healthy, you know, because you see the value of each other in that vein. But it's also great too, when you have moments when you're having a, you know, a little tiff and how you together work through it like is it something like or is it where one gets hot-headed the other one's hot-headed because i've been in those relationships and those are no fun but are you in a place where you can get you know in a spiritual place so that you are respecting one another and you're you know i have chosen you to live my life with and to you know go through these adventures whether it's you know laying tile for the bathroom floor or it's <laughs> off to renaissance festivals wherever you are in between but you have, you've chosen the partner that you believe will enhance those adventures, no matter what they are. That's one of the things, know how to argue and make up, make up as swiftly as you can. Mm -hmm. Be proud of your partner. I, I know for you, you know, I, I, I had the privilege of being there right from the start and kind of yep. like being your big sister and, you know, <laughs> giving you advice when you probably didn't even need it. But I, I will say, you just, first of all, your Tawny's gorgeous, but she is so smart too. But her talent, I mean, you just went on and on. This woman sings like mm -hmm. nobody's, I mean, one woman shows on a professional level. That's what we're talking about. Right. A theater professional paid full time, which is very rare. And so, but you were enthralled with that. You said, I finally have someone who's into music. Do you remember that? You were like, sure. I'm with someone who likes music. 
<laughs> yeah, an extroverted music lover. Who knew I had a type? I should have known this all <laughs> along. But the thing that I will say, too, is I would be a fan of my wife if she wasn't my wife. Like, her talent, and and even with Ryan and Mia, too, they they got, you know, mom's voice and, and acting abilities. So I beam when they're on stage and when she's on stage, because that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to support each other in those moments. And, you know, I love it. You know, when we get done with a show, when it airs on a Friday, my wife will text me, hey, great show today, babe. You sounded awesome. You know, or, 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 or something moved her in some way. And that support, because, again, you support each other in your struggles and in yourself. Celebrations, You know, it can't just all be when things are great and high and, and there's, you know, awards or whatever, but really in those low moments too, you're, you know, coming together that to, to me, and, and I will pass on Roxanne's, the nugget she's referring to is to, if you are dating someone to go through the four seasons, that if you go through those four seasons and then add in and you're still together after the four and then you get to that fifth season and you start applying what you learned from season one, you see if that relationship really can stand up to what your expectations are or what God has been showing you or saying to you. So it was the best advice, I think, out of all the good and failed relationships I've had. So it it's, <laughs> uh, it's stood the test. And, and this week actually marks my wife and I's fifth anniversary of our first date. So it's Aww. like, you know, little mile marker. I always remember the window because I met her on my mom's birthday because I had just gone to take my mom to lunch, had stopped to get a coffee on the way home. And that's where we met. And then, you know, the week later we went on our first date. So, which the kids always remember though. I was like, your date anniversary is coming up, you know, and we're like, <laughs> yeah, we should get another date. See ya. Bye. <laughs> so incredible. Yes, it's important to be proud of your partner, mm. and it's important to be proud of your friends. And I consider Teren Newell, and I know you do as well, Ace, to be a great friend, someone mm. who's very godly, prays mm. with people, loves the Lord, and loves to make things happen for people. And we're talking about mortgages right now. Buying a house is the biggest, well, one of the biggest decisions you'll ever make. It's a huge investment. It needs to be done properly, and you don't want to spend a fortune doing it. This is the guy to make it happen for you. Turin Newell, Birmingham Mortgage Group. Brilliant. Yeah, and I think the thing I love, one of my favorite stories of Turin is seeing and watching him break down in tears with families who he's helped get into homes that looked like impossible situations, but he gets so invested into each of the families that he helps that it is a part of who he is. So you want someone like that. You know that he's fighting for you to get you into that dream home or to help you refinance. Set up your appointment, give him a call, and you can do that at behammortgage.com or call 205-259-1656. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited, we are so thankful to God for the incredible people that he brings into our lives that hopefully will be a great encouragement to you. And the following gentleman that we're getting ready to interview is really a hero. What he's been through childhood abuse and drug abuse and all of the things that led to a moment in his life where he decided he didn't want to be here anymore. And you know what God did? God spared him and gave him this incredible international ministry where he literally talks people off the ledge through the love of Jesus. Suicide prevention is at the heart 
of this incredible gentleman. We are so honored to welcome to the show, Corey Burris. Hi, Corey. Hey, well, thank you very much. I truly appreciate y'all and give me a chance to spread some good news. So, so Corey, I, I just want to go back to take me to Corey the week before you made that choice. Like what was going on in your life? Because, you know, you hear stories from people that they just didn't see the signs. And were there things going on in your life that you were hiding from other people, that you were hiding from yourself? Like what was happening during that time? Oh, absolutely. I was definitely hiding all kinds of things from people. Just my thoughts were, you know, I was, uh, I had a rough childhood. So, I mean, I was overwhelmed. And the thoughts were just, you know, it would be so much easier to not have to deal with all this mess, you know, and, and, uh, the idea of suicide just kept being a better idea every day, which is just crazy. But, uh, but my head was so wrapped up in, in, uh, in those negative thoughts, you know, that were being put in there by Satan that, you know, it was actually a good idea to me, you know, and it was just, that's just absurd. But uh, yeah, it was just. The fact that, uh, and I was actually happy about it, you know, leading up to the day, you know, I couldn't wait to the day that I decided I was going to do it. And it was just, uh, it was surreal for me, you know. I sat there and stared at the bullet, you know, for seven days waiting for the day because I had a certain day planned out. And it was just, you know, I was just eager to get it done. I was tired of the mess, you know, tired of the struggle, tired of, life in general i guess you know just everything that was around me was chaos so it was my way of escape i guess tell us more about that struggle was it financial was it relational what what led you to the point where you just didn't want to live anymore well back then uh we didn't have any help you know it's like you didn't reach out for help it was just you know unheard of and especially if you're a guy you just you suck it up, buttercup, and rub some dirt in it, you know, and go about your day. Well, you know, my best friend had died uh, by suicide the year before, and there was just, other than that, you know, my dad uh, and my family life, the home life was uh, pretty toxic, and, you know, he was, uh, he was abusive. So it was like I had nobody to talk to. I had no, I had no way to vent, you know, about anything that was going on. And, like, after my buddy died, and it was not just me, it was the whole school and the whole town, it was just, all right, well, that's done, let's just go about our day. Well, all these kids need some mental help, you know, and it just wasn't there, you know. And so it was just like a snowball effect. It just kept building and building, and that was was the outcome that I, I guess, chose because it was a choice. But, uh, yeah, thank God today there's so much help out there available and uh, yeah. you just gotta reach out and grab it you know Corey, were you you know running with the rough crowd or were you already you know had you delve into you know had you been arrested had you been into drugs like what what, what was the pattern no I, I wasn't running with the wrong crowd i wasn't even on drugs yet i'd never even smoked pot i mean i had drank you know at school parties you know when somebody had a party on the weekend you know but that was what two three times a year maybe yeah. So it wasn't like I was on anything or, you know, had a dependency for anything. It was more just, I didn't know how to get it out. I didn't know how to talk. 
talk to anybody about it. You know, I felt like nobody would understand or, you know, they'd be like, oh, well, you know, you're a kid or whatever, whatever. just, you know, you need to just go on about your business or, or just suck it up and, you know, tomorrow's another day type deal. It's like, that. that's no help, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it was the more, I just had nobody, you know, I had nobody there for me. I mean, you my mom was, my mom you was there. You described Corey, I'm so sorry. I'm interrupting you. Go ahead. My mom was there in a sense, but she was a nurse and she worked so much, so she really wasn't there. But I know I could have talked to her probably, but it just, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I thought it would cause more problems and it just, I just didn't. Well, Corey, you described some pretty horrific child abuse, you know, being forced to kneel on rice till it hurt, being put in a, in a drum in your backyard, yeah. having to lean up to try to breathe. It's like the worst nightmare. And I think when you're subjected to mental and physical abuse as a child, it affects your self-esteem. Do you think Absolutely. that was definitely a factor in the decision that, where you were planning your death? Oh, for sure. My self-esteem was like out the window. Matter of fact, I still carry things that are like self-doubt. You know, I carry that with me. I try not to, but I still have it. I have to push through it. But And that comes from, you know, the mental abuse of him telling me I wasn't good enough or I couldn't do things. Or, you know what I mean? So the self-doubt's always there. But uh, with most things, I push through. But some things... It still hinders me on, but I'm I'm in the process of working on all that. So, but yeah, and I just recently figured that out. It's like I was wondering why I had self doubt. Like, you know, I, everything I do, I you know, seem to do. But and then somebody told me that the word spoke over you always has an effect. You know, instead of what you do, mm-hmm. you know, it's something that somebody spoke over me. So, yeah, it was kind of a new realization here the last few months, and uh, so I'm trying to get past that now. <laughs> But it, it'll happen, you know. So, Corey, tell me or tell us about the moment that you found God. Like, what what, what was that moment? And what was the time of duration from when you shot yourself to that moment when God? Because I would, I would have to believe, and it's hard for me to see because I didn't have the childhood you did. So it's hard for me not to look at something like trying to kill myself. And then not succeeding to not be able to say, well, God must have a plan for me. Like, was it instantaneous in that? Was that a, a spiritual moment or did it take a while? Well, I was I grew up in church with my grandparents and my, my parents would go sometimes. And uh, I uh, I live right down the road from my church. Like, I used to ride my bike down there all the time and go by myself when I was old enough. Mm. But like, so I accepted Christ when I was 12, but I didn't, I was... I didn't get it. I was 12 years old, you know. I thought I understood it, but I didn't really understand it. Yeah. And uh, But I always prayed to God, and I knew he would never leave us, and he always loved us. That was kind of like my my view of it, you know, and that's all I knew. That's all I held on to. So, like, after I shot myself, I, uh, I was in the hospital, and I told God, I said, well, I don't know why you saved me, but I know there's a reason. So, I mean, I was talking to him the whole time. I just, that, I guess that's when I started understanding him more, the more I could talk to him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I mean, I still didn't know a whole lot, but I would talk to him every day. And uh, I told him, I said, I'm going to ask you every day, you know, until I get an answer. And it was uh, 12 years after I shot myself and he actually answered me. And I did ask every day, you know, why'd you save me? And uh, 
so when when he did tell me it was just like I was mad. I just wrecked my truck. Uh, I tore it at 80 miles an hour with an 18 wheeler on the interstate. So, you know, uh, about a week after that, I broke both my shoulders. So I couldn't work. I didn't have my truck. I couldn't use my arms. So I was kind of aggravated and overwhelmed. You know, how am I going to support my family, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I had a few choice words for him. You know, what the blank blank did you save me for? And I really wasn't expecting an answer, but it was this loud. Well, it was loud. It was big. It's the only way I can explain it. I knew it was God, and it was uh, out loud. It had great authority. And he told me to help people with suicides, and, you know, I said no, which, you know, I said no four or five times. <laughs> but he kept telling me, yeah, you're going to do that. And, and I said, no, that's not me. I, you got the wrong one, you know. And he said, well, I created you. That's what, you know, you're here for. And I kind of just stopped. And I told him no again, you know. I was like, no. But when I told him yes, it was just like, Everything made sense, like in an instant, like a light switch went off, and I understood everything that I wanted to know in my life. Why is this happening? This, this, this. You know, it all made sense. So that was like my my realization point of of who he is and and what he's about. And uh, I started hitting it hard, and I, I, mean, I went to church six days a week for six years, and work pulled me out of church. And then I went down a a roller coaster ride, and I made my way back. Thank God. But, uh, yeah, so I've been back on the track since, like, 2016. And, yeah, I'm not going back. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not going to happen. Corey, some people are listening to this. They can't see your face. Others on YouTube can see the the damage to your face that you sustained when you shot yourself. It can't yeah. be all that common for someone who shoots themselves. I mean, do, in the face to live how did that even happen that's only by the hand of god that's i wasn't supposed to live the gun you know the I mean? the shot went through your eye if i remember yeah, right right okay. whole half of my face was gone like from my nose all the way over here was all was gone was, just a big hole yeah it's just all gone and i could i could turn my face and see my molars over here through this big hole <gasps> in my face and it was just it was horrific and that was that was what two weeks after it happened, and they had done surgery and packed it all. And yeah, that was when I saw it. It was it was bigger when I saw it. It was probably about right here, but it was all the way down to here because they had to pull all this stuff. It was yeah, it was a wreck. Well, but hey, but God, but God, and knowing that He called you into the ministry of helping people, what would you say to someone who is listening? And is at that point where maybe today is that day that they decided they've been holding the bullet for seven days and they're where you were. What are you going to say to them right now? I would tell them to get the Bible, start reading it, start studying God's word and start getting close to Jesus, because that's the only way to actually 100 percent beat this and be happy and be joyful without it being circumstantial, because I've tried every other way. Of trying to be all right, and it never worked. The only way that did work was just by studying his word, just by getting close to him. And he loves us so much that he will do the rest for us. We don't have to try to change everything about us because we can't. You know, we can't change our heart. That's the only thing God can do. So getting close to God by through his word and studying the word, it will allow our heart to change, and we won't 
feel like that, and those demons won't be on us, and we'll be able to combat it, and we'll be able to we'll be able to take care of ourselves in this world and be happy. You know, it's it's so important, and, and people I try to harp on it to read God's word, and I, I guess people just think it's too easy. You know, it's like yeah. it's not going to be easy, but if you think about it, like that's it's easy to read. But the things that are going to fall off and the feelings you deal with, you know, on the journey of it aren't always easy, but it's worth it's worth it in the end because you got to go through the hard stuff to get to the good stuff. You mm -hmm. can't just be in a bad point and the next day just be as happy as you can be because you want to understand it. You got to understand the journey and who you are and God. And it's a whole thing. But if you love yourself enough and love God enough to sit down and read his word every day. And when you're feeling bad, don't sit there and feel bad, but pick it up as a weapon and read it. Then your life will change. But and I and I guarantee that because God's not going to leave you where you're at. If you find God and you trust Him and you search Him, He's not going to leave you where you're at. So you you're going to get to a better place in your life. It may not always be sunshine and rainbows, but you can go through those moments with joy in your heart, knowing that God's there, and you can have peace in the struggle. You know, when things do pop up. Corey, I want to thank you for making yourself available to others 24-7 who are at the end of their rope. Mm -hmm. I mean, it. what does that mean to you that you are able to point people toward Jesus and be with them in their most vulnerable moments? I mean, that's it means everything to me. I mean, like I had a lady yesterday tell me that, you know, she's doing good because, uh, you know, what I've taught her and this, that, and the other, and I'm, you know, she said she could never repay me. And I'm like, you already have, you know, that's the best repayment is to see you doing good and make it another day and, mm -hmm. and trying to help other people. That's, I mean, that's the best payment you can ever get. So for someone who needs you, let's say they need you right now, how, how should they reach out? They can message me on Facebook. Uh, they can message me on Instagram. They can call my phone number. It's 409-330-3755. I mean, just, they can Google my name and it, all kind of things will pop up. I mean, I'm, I'm out there. <laughs> we can all <laughs> say that about ourselves, yeah. but yours is good stuff. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And my, my, uh, I have a group that's on Facebook. They, they shut my page down on Facebook because, you know, I'm preaching the word, but hey, that's what's going to happen, you know. But my ministry on Facebook is called Suicide Prevention and God's Helpers. I have a group that's got almost 7,000 people in there. You can join that, and it's just, you know, people encouraging everybody and just, you know, everybody helping everybody. So, I mean, it's a win-win, you know. So good. Corey Burris has been our guest, man. We appreciate your vulnerability and always glad to catch up with you, man. Thanks for so much of what you do. Yes, sir, and I appreciate y'all. All right. We have good intentions as Christians, but sometimes, well, we have some excuses as to why we can't serve. See if this rings a bell with you. We think we don't have enough to offer. You know, for a lot of people, they think, well, you know, she went to Africa. She sold, I, I have a friend like this. She sold everything she owned literally and mm -hmm. took a duffel bag to Africa and never came back. I mean, and was saving babies right and left. I mean, this woman, I'm like, wow, okay. How can I serve if I hand out a piece of paper, if I give someone a drink of water? I mean, how is that going to make a big difference? Well, it's excuse making. Yeah. We do have something to offer because I believe God created us all with a special gift and a special talent to serve others in a way that only we can do.
Yeah. Well, and the great thing is, you know, not everyone has the gift of teaching. Not everyone has the gift of playing an instrument. Not everyone has the gift of public speaking, but you have a gift of some kind and you could start a ministry within your church. You could see a need, a void of some kind based on conversations you hear of multiple people. And the great thing is there's other people that also have that same passion, drive, and gifts. And collectively, it's not all going to have to be on you. It's you as a team serving God through those gifts, through those talents. And there are, you know, for the technically minded, there are those gifted tests that you can take that will tell you where you fall and what is your strengths. And then what I love to do is, or at least I did this when I found out my gifts, was to actually read books on those gifts so if you pick different authors, so if it's leadership or if it's empathy or, you know, whatever, compassion, those things, then through those readings, you're like, you know what? I I can hear God calling me in the ministry direction of where I should be serving with these gifts. So it's it's not as much work as we tend to put on there. But again, just stop with the, I don't have a gift because that's that's crap. That's not truth at all. You have a place where you belong. And if you feel out of place, my church says, try something, kick the wheels. If you don't like it, try yeah. something else. You don't have to stay unhappy or in a place where you don't feel comfortable. And another excuse is, you know, we feel unimportant. Oh, well, this job isn't important. Listen, there's a young girl who, Wayne and I hold hands when we walk in church. It's a thing. And mm. she always goes, oh. And points at us and goes, I love love. I love you. When I see you, I love you. Welcome. And she's gushing. Yeah. And when she's not there, I miss her. Oh. You know? Yeah. It's the sweetest thing. And she could say, Well, that doesn't matter. I'm just barking at people as they head in here. No, she is no. I need to stop her and say, I, I need to do this and say, You have no idea. Mm-hmm. I look for you. There's also another girl that sings, and she, oh, wow. <laughs> She's in a suit with a guitar, and she sings like big voice, alto, deep. Mm-hmm. And the way her face is lit with Jesus, it messes me up. And I need to get to her, too, and say, wow, thank yeah. you. Yeah, that's good. Thank well, and, and it also, people feel like that no one sees not that you serve to be seen, but when you feel like you, you're not making a difference or the enemy tries to lie to you or we lie to ourselves fleshly, it's great when someone is impacted by you. And I was actually talking about this with somebody earlier today about what are the little ways that you've been ministered to. And it's amazing. It, it could be, you know, someone gets you a cup of coffee when you walk in on a Sunday morning or they, you know, are there to help you to make sure that you know where all the things are, or where your kids are supposed to go or whatever it is. Those little things show you care. And if you're in a church, I'm not going to call any out by name, but you know who you are. If you're in a church that you aren't doing these things and people are leaving in droves, then you'll know why. You're not doing those little nuances that make people feel welcome, that make people feel like that they do have value, that God does love them unconditionally. Like, let it come out in such a gushing method that people are like, yeah, I I can't not go to this church. I don't know where my place is yet, but I have to be here. 
Well, my mother-in-law in Montgomery taught Sunday school for 41-something years. It's over 40 years. And they honored her. She's 90, and they honored her. And they said, who was taught by Miss Margaret? And people stood up. Whose children were taught by Miss Margaret? And people stood up. And then the, the 50 or so people that piled on for her celebration, mm. ooh, you think that that little kid that you're talking to about Jesus may never remember it. Look at yeah. the impact. Yeah. And if all else fails, get the Roxanne blend of coffee, start a coffee <laughs> ministry, and you know the people go, this stuff is so good. And you're going to know that's, you know, all you got to do is keep it hot. That's your main job. And it's pretty, too. And pretty shouldn't matter, but I love the butterflies on the bag. It's a beautiful bag, and it smells wonderful, and it sends missionaries around the world. It is really a wonderful gateway for Jesus because people love coffee business people. Oh, come in. And then before you know it, the gospel is shared. Yeah. So it feels that. It's a great gift. Go to mybrotherscup.com, click on the Roxanne Blend, and uh, you'll be delighted. And you can gift yourself too. Yeah. You know, you, you can go ahead and get yourself a bag. Ace, I'm wondering if this would be appealing to you. In about a week, Mattel begins paying someone $277 an hour to play Uno. Okay. As a Uno fan, it's probably <laughs> one of the handful of games that I feel like I have any strategy and brain power. I would do this. Like this is totally like if I if I had the four weeks to just do it and then you know blitz social media like they're asking, I mean it's 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 fun. Like I mean it's one of the last fun games in my mind. Like it there's so many apps now that kind of take us away from an actual you know card game or a board game anymore. It's 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 a dying art form. So the person that has his position will be playing Uno Quattro with strangers in New York City, and then we'll do a lot of social media. It is the new trend. That's what McDonald's is doing. Uh, French's and Skittles got together because they released a mustard flavor. Oof, I just can't imagine. Mm. But it took off on TikTok. So they're finding that to get into social media, but it's a high paid position and you know, somebody's going to love every minute of it. Yeah. Well, one thing we have got to mention before we go is stop getting naked in the sunflower field, please. They're begging you. What? And I don't know why this amused me highly, but there is a field, it's gigantous. It has a lot of really tall sunflowers. Why? It's a family-friendly farm in the UK. As much as three times a day, different people, not the same ones, are going out in the middle of this field and getting nude and taking photographs. And the owners are beside themselves. So they have all these signs, no public nudity. Ace, the, the, you couldn't pay me to do something like that. I get real. I, to be, no, I, I just couldn't. <laughs> I mean, I, I understand the <laughs> desire to be an exhibitionist, but at some point, you know, and if I'm this guy, you know, nudity is extra. Like, you're not going to just go. If I can't stop you, then I'm going to charge you. So wh where's the, where's the line drawn? Because, you know, a sunflower is tiny enough. You ain't covering nothing up. Well, and I'm thinking it's itchy, it's hot, it's uncomfortable. 
who do you really want to see your bits? I mean, I'm just like, oh, and it, but the thought that it's gotten so popular, people are tiptoeing through the, you know, used to be tulips, now it's the sunflower field, mm -hmm. that they have to put up nudity signs. See, that's We're just proof how you know, hot this summer has been. It's so hot that we can't even put clothes on anymore. Like we're just, <laughs> I gotta be naked. Oh, there's sunflowers. That's a coincidence. <laughs> We appreciate you hanging out with us. Please get dressed and leave the sunflower fields alone. And uh, we'll see you each and every Friday. Follow, subscribe, and like so you don't miss future episodes. And then go back and see what you missed. And in the meantime, have a great rest of your weekend. Remember, of course, say thanks to My Brother's Cup at uh, our website, RoxanneAce.com and Birmingham Mortgage Group if you are ready to get that dream home. Roxanne, have a great weekend. I love you. I love you, too, so much. You've been listening to Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. To make sure you don't miss future shows, you can subscribe anywhere you like to podcast and catch up on anything you've missed. Find out more at RoxanneandAce.com. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited is a production of Spacebird Media.